Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, our topic is group writing in the series Bible. Recently, we um, published uh, The Feeding Frenzy on the Wild Hair Project. And if you've not read it, you totally should, because it was awesome. We had a great time. And how many authors participated, Jillian? Thirteen. I always forget. Thirteen. Um, and so that was a thick relay which isn't quite like riding with somebody on the same story, which is um, a riding partnership uh, and uh, something I have failed repeatedly at through most of my life. Um, I was the I've most done, successful with Lady Holder, but. Uh, I've done it successfully twice and flopped at it 10 times as many times as I've succeeded at it. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that when you have, um, I have OCD um, and I'm a plotter. Um, and I think that if you're going to have a writing partnership, um, that it's best if you do suffer the way I do from obsessive compulsive disorder um, and you have control issues that you work with somebody who um, is uh, similar in that they don't have control issues, but they're a plotter. <laughs> Well, honestly, even if you don't, I don't think it's necessarily a function of control issues or not. It's if you're a plotter, you better off working with a plotter. Although I don't know how two pantsers could do it together. Honestly, that drive each other crazy. Because one of the things about writing together is you gotta kind of got to have a direction. And if you're both kind of doing random crap... Um, <laughs> I think it's going to go off the rails, but that's just our experience um, as plotters talking. I mean, I don't actually have the headscape for a, for a pantser um, because even when I so-called pants, I've already plotted in my, um, I'm plotted it in my head. Right. Well, I mean, even when I try to pants, I mean, I might, I might be pantsing the first like two paragraphs, but believe me, the I, my brain is off plotting. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's a it's a matter of if you're willing to try it, it's just be prepared to not be successful. And honestly, a lot of times, sometimes the thing about plotters is they won't get past the planning stage. Um, because if you're plotting, you're going to know before you start writing whether or not you're going to be able to agree, right? And that's what's happened to me in the past. It's like, no, are you out of your mind? I'm not doing that. <laughs> Well, one of the reasons why I asked to anchor the feeding frenzy is because I worried that right. Well, it was twofold. One, I didn't want to um, have a bias as to where Tony would land. Um, at the end, I I wanted to make a decision that was best for the character and not because I had written a relay um, and was very fond of the situation that I would have created for him in that, in that, which would have probably been Stargate. Um, um, personally, uh, I grabbed hate towards, you know, so, you know, just a couple of animals that would have worked in feeding frenzy, Hawaii five Oh, and, um, which didn't get a relay. Um, no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> or Stargate. <laughs> well, honestly, um, the reason why the reason why Hawaii Five O didn't get a relay is because it time wise it would have been not a really a Hawaii. It'd be pre series for Hawaii Five O. Uh, so who's going to be recruiting him to do what? Right. 
So I think that's why exactly, it didn't. that wouldn't work. But the other side of it is, is that I worried that if I participated in the middle of the feeding frenzy, that I would get frustrated by what the other authors were doing after me. Like, because, because it's not them, it's me. I, I have issues. And if I set something up in my story that uh you know, characters um, c- um characterization wise that wasn't followed through i would have been irritated as fuck <laughs> yeah. i know me yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm like dude really dude dude <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> that's one of the reasons why i will not write in a um round robin outside of certain circumstances now lady holder and i once did a round robin on um was it it was the mcshep something it was uh what was that when we had team a and team b and what was that challenge called yeah it was a mcshep challenge but i thought it was called something specific Anyway, we did we did a round robin in live journal comments. No, no, it was an actual like there was a team A and a team B and McShep match. Thank you, Desert. Um, and p- people would vote at the end of the challenge. Probably, I still have my copy. I will look for it. Um, and see who best met the theme of the challenge of the match. Um, but we did a round robin in the comments. Um, that was <laughs> John was a werewolf and he got captured by somebody and we blew some shit up and um, but it was just it was just crack and neither one of us were really super invested in the outcome and it was we were just amusing ourselves with it and that was fine but outside of that yeah we blew up a whole planet because it's what you do <laughs> well, that's the problem actually with round robins is that they tend to go crack I have rarely seen a round robin that didn't go crack. And the thing is, one of the things about group writing projects is you do have to make them. If you don't want to go that direction, and the thing is, if you want to go crack is fine, but it needs to be on purpose, right? And when it comes to a group project, I would never want to do a group project that was, wasn't crack on purpose. Um because what happens is then the people who took the project seriously get pissed off because somebody introduces outrageous crack elements that basically invalidate the entire story. Um, and so one of the things I think that's really important in a group writing project is that you have some agreement um, up front and that it's understood that this is going to be enforced. And if you can't stick with these the, these rules, you know, that we're, your your part's going to not be considered part of the thing, right? So like with Feeding Frenzy, we agreed up front that the con- concept was a little bit cracky, right? And so, but we would write it as, take it seriously, take it as if it's a real thing. Now, some fandoms do bring in a cracky element on their own. Um, that would be so, difficult to control. Like, right, so that's Warehouse fine. 13. Yeah, Warehouse 13 is just cracktastic. So, you know, when you're bringing in a, an element, a, a, a series... So that's where the crack, all the crack was supposed to be contained there, which is in, in, if the canon was crack, that's fine. And then the concept was a little bit cracky, but outside of that, people are supposed to be taking the execution of it seriously. And 
we tried not to, you know, this is the first, my first time out with a group this big on this kind of project. And so we didn't want to like make it rule heavy, but that was one of the things that we, you know, was really clear up front was that if you don't stick in that tone of crack taken seriously, that it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be eligible because it, it just, it doesn't make sense to try to have 13 people build basically one story and not have some parameters in place. And the thing is I've done too many round robins before where there's just no parameters, no, no guidelines. There's nothing other than fandom or pairing or something like that. And people will kill off your main character or kill off the romantic interest or, you know, have throw something horrible, you know, right in the middle. We did one where somebody threw a rape all of a sudden into the story. Oh. And I was like, I just bowed out. I said, okay, I'm done. Um, deleted my <sighs> part. Walked, I deleted, deleted my parts and walked off. And we'd already been more than one round, right? So I just deleted my parts and walked away from it. Because the thing is, the mods weren't going to do a damn thing about it. You know, it's like, well, that's just the way it goes. People do whatever they want. Um, and I said, I'm, and I'm like, I'm not doing this kind of thing again. So, but people will do that. People are fundamentally assholes. And you're lucky if you can get a group of 10 people or 12 people or whatever together and not have someone do something dickish in the middle of that. So that's why, um, you know, we thought we would try to do this relay thing and then try to, you know, have a series Bible and get everybody to agree to certain things up front and, and then see how it went. And I think we got really lucky. Um, we did, but I do, I could see occasionally the potential. It's like, Oh, I wish I had thought about that up front. Now, fortunately, like my worst fears were never realized, but there were a couple times where I was like biting my fingernails going, huh? But what I think was actually really beneficial about the feeding frenzy is that we, yeah, I mean, if 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 it weren't for the rules, Tony would have been getting laid on the regular that entire series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, actually, he could have gotten laid. That was actually in the rules. He could have gotten laid, but you couldn't let get him laid with anybody who you wanted him to be considered for relationship potential. So if you were invested in a ship, you better not have Tony fucking that person. <laughs> because, which is why he was able to go out on that date in the James Bond relay and potentially get laid, is because that wasn't a serious romantic prospect, right? But I think most people shot away from doing it because they didn't want to get disappointed at the end. Um, so, but uh, one thing I will say that actually was really beneficial for the feeding frenzy is it was in fact a relay no two authors were writing at the same time so when it came your turn to write all the other parts above you were already written for you to read so you could read them and then add your part and then once your part was added then the next person would come in and they would have all the content to read and i think that really helped with characterization consistency um and we didn't have nearly as many timeline problems as i thought we would have without actually having an established a timeline but i think going into a new one one thing that i would like to see is a very detailed timeline yeah, I think you'd have to, because it's very difficult when you don't know what people are going to write, and especially when you're dealing with pantsers, um, it's, it's difficult to set a timeline up front, but what you have to do is track it as you go. That way, everybody, whoever is picking up the relay knows exactly 
where where they are in the timeline, and then they have to be able to communicate to you how much time has passed in their story. Because um, figuring out the timeline at the end was a pain in the ass. But we didn't have to do much editing on actual parts, right? Um, not really. I mean, there were. Um, what do you mean by editing? Like editing to make sure the timeline matched. Like you know. No, because ever the only the only time um, we did. Not from not in the way you mean. There was a case of where there had been some misunderstanding about how much time had passed, but I saw it before it. Um, I think there were a total of like four times where I saw a part before anybody else saw it, and I saw okay, there's an issue here that you might you need to fix before we post it. And usually a minor thing. It's like okay, this is inconsistent. You may not have noticed, and people fix it. And so there was one time where somebody had misunderstood the timeline, and they had. Um, it being way in the future, like months ahead of where we actually were. Now, I I didn't know exactly where we were timeline wise, but I knew we were somewhere in the summer. Um, and so this was like almost winter where they had positioned things. And so I just, you know, said, okay, yeah, this isn't this is wrong in terms of the timeline, um, and we might as well fix it now because otherwise you're gonna have to back out all this this information that you've put in about the time of year. So, and, and the thing is, but there wouldn't have even been that problem if we had been keeping track of the timeline as we went. So I think that some of the things that jumped out at me as things that would have been good to do, that would have been helpful, would have been like uh, keeping track of the timeline as you go. So when somebody picks up a relay, they know this is where they are. Um is like it's just it's little logistical things that I think would have made it smoother but it was a first time out so we were experimenting which is like somebody to keep on top of you know keeping things through beta and make sure people understand up front how long they have to get their second draft ready when it needs to go to beta how long after they get it back from beta before they need to turn in and you can give people a generous amount of time but the lack of specificity resulted in you know a lot of chasing you know as opposed to like one person to like follow up on getting people's betas and getting their final drafts in and, you know, just like the more like logistical administrative support would have made things a little smoother towards the end. Cause the more you keep on top of, as you go, the less you're burdened at the end, trying to pull it all together. Cause it's hard enough to pull it all together at the end without adding a lot of logistical burden of chasing 13 people down. Not, but, and we got luck, and we got lucky because we did have a very responsive group who, yeah, got their when they were asked, got their stuff done very quickly. But I think it would have been, you know, probably reduced frustration for everyone if it had been like, okay, you have after you finish your relay, you have three weeks to get your second draft done, which is reasonable for five thousand words. Um, and then after you get your beta back, you have two weeks to turn in your final draft. You know, just if people had known ahead of time what the expectation was, then. Um, it would have been just refrustration reducing, I think, for everybody towards the end. As it was, everybody dealt really well and really, really compassionately with me jumping on and trying to get everything done, you know, in like a two-week window. <laughs> so. Oh, cool. Um, we should put it up in, a, in the Rough Trade Forum. Uh, bloody holder, that, that round robin we did. It's cute. I mean, it, ha it has nowhere to go, but it's cute. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, one thing, uh, you know, I would like to do another one. An another thick Relay. Um, 
but I don't. Feeding frenzy was a very unique situation, circumstance. You know, um, it's a very natural uh, rhythm to the whole series because of the circumstances we set up with, with, with Tony and Rivkin and Harmon, Rab, and I just I I wonder um, what concepts we could, you know, throw at that model, and what would stick. Yeah, it's um, it was an unusual set of an unusual setup in terms of um, it allowed people to write a discrete piece that was part of a whole and yet contained on its own. And you know, it 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 contributed to the progression of the story. Whereas a lot of times relays are like somebody had suggested like a Bob and Dick relay, like you know, the Bobs are making phone calls. The thing is, those are less that concept while entertaining and you could do it they don't typically that idea just on the face of it doesn't doesn't build towards a story right they're all just like serial installments of the same basic thing like you know the bobs are who who is the who are the bobs calling this week they don't typically that that idea doesn't on the face of it build towards a bigger storyline so you'd have to come up with an idea that that put that that allowed people to to discreetly contribute a piece that contributed towards a, a bigger goal. Um, I'm not saying that we can't do it, but it couldn't be done. It's just a lot of the ideas I've seen so far put out would be more like um. You you had mentioned a Harry Potter story that would never end. That it's basically like every time they were in the mood to write a new quote-unquote chapter it was just it was like living on it was like a groundhog day type thing or something like that yeah there um hermione finds a a runic ritual she does in um, at the end of their third year and she she puts all these runes on harry's body and then he does it for her um and um anytime one of them dies they reset to that right. day of their third year so that's a circumstance of where you have a, a plot device that in theory, could be contributing to a bigger whole, except that it does feel more like, you know, another day in the life of. It feels like part of like days of our lives kind of thing. It's just like the thing that never ends, um, which is an interesting way. I find it to be an interesting setup to just be able to continue on with a story that is always completed, but also never completed. I find it to be a very interesting way to have that little, you know, um, Schrodinger's plot. So, um, because it never, because it doesn't matter how they die, whether it's a natural cause or someone kills them, they right. automatically so, go back. So the story is always completed, but the story is also always never completed. And you could there are there are more ideas in terms of relay writing that lend themselves towards that model where each story is very independent, and that you could go on forever and never really call it done, as opposed to having here's the beginning and here's the end and people in between are interpreting how to build towards the finish because in feeding frenzy we knew tony tony's going to have this thing that's going to cause him to want to find a new job at the beginning and the end is going to be him choosing his job well that's a very defined start a very defined end and you could put any number of things in between the start and the finish we put 23 things between the start and the finish <laughs> <laughs> which was a lot <laughs> um so when you're going to do, if you're gonna do that with another idea, it's like, well, what, um, like, okay. So like, let's say, 
so you're trying to find a, a reasonable alpha site for the SGA, for the, for the Atlantis people, right? You could write a bunch of relays of their unfortunate experiences trying to find a new alpha site. And each relay could be the investigation of a new planet and a new culture. And you could have it go as well or as badly as... And conceivably, though, you'd be trying to sell the person writing the end piece on on this planet for the alpha site. But some people may choose to go the opposite direction and put dinosaurs there, like they did in canon. Um, you could have a dinosaur planet, which would be not a selling feature for this particular planet, <laughs> right? Not a, set, not, a, not a selling feature. But that would be like an idea of where you've got a defined start and a defined end. And how many planets you explore depends on how many authors you have signed up to participate, right? So I'm not saying that's a good idea. I'm just saying that in terms of this kind of relay writing, it is something that has a defined start, a defined end, and then you have different people filling in the middle. Other ideas lend themselves more to, you know, they're really individual stories in the same universe as opposed to different chapters of the same story, if that distinction makes sense. But when you're doing, but the point is, is whether you're doing, whichever kind you're doing, the series Bible is very, very important. It is so important. I wish, I thought we had a fairly good series Bible for the Feeding Frenzy. In retrospect, I wish I had put more in it. Right. I, I would have liked to have seen um, a defined skill set uh, in retrospect, I mean, it didn't even occur to me at the time, right? But yeah, a defined skill set. Um, Some of that is in there. It's probably just a family tree. Right called that way. Yeah, a, a family tree. Uh, his family information's in there. But he got extras. <laughs> there were extras that added over the series. Um, Extra family but, members. Well, he had a he had, um, he got a stepbrother and a stepmother. Thought we had put that in there, but that could have just been. Eventually, yes, it got added, but not at the beginning. Right. Well, that was a case of where we presented the series Bible to people um, and said, you know, review this. If there's something you want to add, there's actually several things we added. People said, okay, well, for my relay, you know, I'd like to have. Uh, Somebody had wanted, I don't remember who, somebody had wanted John Shepard and Tony to have gone to college together. And it was kind of like, well, if it doesn't contradict the existing series Bible and it doesn't, and we would talk about it in chat. And if it doesn't affect anybody else's plans, let us know. And if everybody would be okay with it, then we would add to the character bio. So that's kind of the way we approached it. And so when when Ellie wanted to have um, Ezra be Tony's stepbrother, very briefly for her whole six months, um, no, Which everybody, was great, by the way. Yeah, everybody was kind of like, yeah, sure. What, we talked about it. We talked about, you know, all those decisions. And everybody was kind of like, doesn't affect me in any way. So, um, but once, you know, we had, but that's the way we approached changes to, to it was to discuss it, to make sure it didn't interfere with anybody's plans. Because once you say, okay, this is the series Bible, this is the character bio, you know, that everybody had to like talk about and negotiate any changes they wanted to that. So like people couldn't just suddenly say, and that part of that process was to prevent somebody from suddenly giving Tony, you know, six siblings and, um, you know, a twin sister. I mean, it just it, that because people do stuff like that. Right. So that's why 
you know, we said, okay, this, this is, this is it. This is, this is what he's got. If you want something added to this, you're going to have to, we're going to have to negotiate it with the group at this point, once we put the series Bible out there. So. You look at the elements of a series Bible, like overall, not just the feeding frenzy, but what you would want to see coming in as a writer um, into a group writing project. I would want a character bio, um, some sort of timeline that we could add to later. Um, like I said, a, a defined and probably unalterable skill set. Because you don't want somebody halfway through your writing event deciding that your character used to be a Navy SEAL while they also have 10 years of law enforcement experience. And I'm not picking on somebody, but do you realize how much effort goes into being a Navy SEAL? It's a lot. Wait, yeah. like three or four years? And somebody who is 28 is not a SEAL and then left. It doesn't make any sense. Unless they injured out. In like a Unless permanent they, maiming sort of way. I mean, it's a lot to train a Navy SEAL. So they're they're looking for career officers, well, career members, number one. Um, and number two, you can't have 10 years of law enforcement experience and be a Navy SEAL and only be 30. That is literally impossible. It It makes no sense. It defies... It, it's Space the same time. It's the same. It's the same <laughs> level of absurdity of Tony Cannon, Tony having being a medical doctor, and being an, an NCIS agent. And again, I'm, I, there there's more than one story like this. I'm not trying to pick up pick on anybody, but it does fail the suspension of disbelief test. So defining your character's skill set and their experiences and their past before the series starts was, would be a good thing to have in your Bible, right? Um, where else would you want in the Bible? A theoretical Bible. So we did time, you I'll, know, character uh, profiles, history, skill set, time. I mean, uh, skill set to me is like really part of the character bio, but yeah. Um, I think also part of the series Bible, um, education, that's all part of the character bio. Character bio should cover everything about your character. Relationships, education, skills, appearance, general health, social beliefs, political beliefs. Now, we used to strip down character bio for the Feeding Frenzy because, I, um, in part, because a lot of people had never done group writing before. Um, and because we didn't want it to be so long that people couldn't absorb it. Um, I think I would beef it up a little bit if we were to do something like that again, I'd put more of the stuff in. Um, I think I was a little bit cautious running the challenge a little bit because I didn't want to, you know, alienate people with giving them too much to try to adhere to. Um, but I think people handled it just fine. The character bio stuff, they handled just fine. So I think that I would actually give people more detail in the future, not less. I don't tend to put wants and needs in um, outside of some very basic general stuff into a character bio because that tends to be more related to the plot. Yeah. Um, unless it's a, unless it's something like, you know, that he's been looking for a father figure his whole life kind of thing where it's like an, an over a, a driving need that they've had, you know, this is something that's really almost pathological. Um so let's see, beyond um, 
So one of the things about a series Bible, though, this is one of the things that's important that um, I actually didn't, I don't, I didn't do a great job of in the feeding frenzy, to be honest, is that when people make decisions and like you get a get get to get a get a relay in, it's good to have somebody on tap to look at what's in there. And one, check it to make sure it's adherent to the series Bible. And if it's not adherent to the series Bible and or the rules of the challenge to kick it back and say, you need to fix these things. Okay. Which everybody needs to be prepared for that kind of thing to happen. And then, and it needs to be somebody diplomatic. I'm just going to say that. It needs to be diplomatic who can say, you know, this, this, this kind of goes against what's in the series Bible. Can you fix this? Um, so there needs to be somebody that looks to make sure the story is adherent to the series Bible and then take what's in there that is adding to the series Bible and update the series Bible. Because anytime there's a detail added that should be noted by future participants, so, you know, like, you know, on this date, this person was at this event, right? Because that occurred, right? You've now made this part of your canon. Um, Tony spent you need a Bible keeper, <laughs> right? There needs to be a Bible keeper. Somebody needs yeah. to go, okay, Tony, Tony spent two weeks in, um, in, in Colorado, uh, doing a trial run for the SGC from this date to this date. That's now part of the Bible. Yes. It's for your timeline, but your timeline is part of your series Bible. So somebody needs to be keeping that up to date and, and it adding to the Bible as people bring stuff in that way. And that's like one of the things I said, I, we didn't, I didn't do well in the, feeding frenzy was taking that information that came out of each part and updating the pieces that were becoming you know immutable like this is now our this is now part of our canon for this series is these things that this person wrote so i think that's a really important thing that way the next person if somebody doesn't you know because what happens is we all the minute somebody would post a post a part we'd all jump on and read it we'd be like yes so and so's update put a put up the next relay let's go read it so we'd all jump on it and read it but you wouldn't necessarily be writing next odds are since there were 13 <laughs> of us that there's there's only a 1 in 13 chance that you were up next so you're reading this thing but you might be writing four or five relays later um and for instance, Lady Holder's relays were both pretty early in the series, but Sadria's relay relays were both very late in the series. Now they weren't back to back, but they were very late. So Sadria is reading all of these as as it as we go, right? So by the time her relays come along, it would have been very helpful, I'm sure, for her as an author to be able to look back at the series Bible and see what has become our series Bible canon, you know, as opposed to relying on her memory and or going back and rereading, you know, because I think she wrote the second to the last relay. So like 90,000 words to try to catch up on what everybody else wrote. So. Which is what I did when I what, sat yeah. down to write part 25. I, re I read all of the feeding frenzy first. I made a list of things that needed to be, um, kind of pulled into the last part you know like okay where's you know like I picked out parts I thought were important to to touch on in the last and then I asked the other participants hey is there anything in your relay that you would like me to touch in part 25 and several came back and said hey can you do this um re remember that Ezra has Tony's American Express card <laughs> mm -hmm. what's he doing with that um you know so so yeah 
and I made a list like, okay, where's Elliot Spencer? Because that was important to me. Because honestly, before I read, um, before I got truly romanced by Nemu, um, is that is that how you say that? I think Nemu? it's Nemu. 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 I think it's Nemu. Yeah. Nemu of the North. I probably I probably would have gone with the Elliot Spencer pairing because that's hot like burning, and I was like so enamored with their dynamic during that episode, um, and. Elliot's quiet hurt. And I thought, he really needs somebody to take care of him. <laughs> like, so she gave so she gave him to John Reese, you know, as you do. <laughs> as one does. <laughs> Actually, more was more to the point. I gave him to Harold Finch because he's a he's a taker carer of people. <laughs> he's a caretaker. Um, and if he can handle John Reese, he can handle Elliot Spencer. <laughs> it's very true. Um, but um, yeah, so it was like I wanted to give Elliot something, and so I had him on my list. And then you know, but I had to read the entire F feeding frenzy to accomplish that, which is you know, it wasn't actually a hardship because <laughs> it was very entertaining to read. Yeah, so and I I reread it all. I would have reread it all anyway, but I reread it all to establish the timeline. <laughs> Because I hadn't done that as we went. But yeah, somebody needs to own, you know, the series Bible as you go. Because not all, sometimes when somebody is uh, is is ready, is when their relay comes up, they may not have time to go back and reread everything. Now, we did set timelines in, in general. Uh, like how long people had to, to write. We tried to make it generous so that people... Sometimes people turn it around in 48 hours, right? They just like bang and done, or maybe even 24. And some people took, you know, their full, the full allotment of time that they had to get it accomplished. And like we had one person who wanted to participate, but they could only participate after rough trade was over, um, which didn't wind up being a problem because we weren't anywhere near them by the time rough, rough trade was over. But with that in mind, with people's scheduling issues in mind, it's partly how we determine some of the order is to make sure that. And there were also geographic issues. We can't have Tony bouncing back and forth between New York and England, right? So with people who wanted to write the 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 um the stuff that happened across the pond, they had to be together. So, you know, we're we're doing during to, Tony's European tour. Right. <laughs> so we had to we had to do some stuff where we did some negotiating about schedules, but there, that does that kind of stuff all has to be decided up front. It's how long are you going to get people to write once it's their turn? How long are you going to give them to get their beta to do their second draft? How long are they going to have to get their final draft done? Um, and then, I mean, I there are a couple times people needed a couple extra days, and we just kind of like, yeah, sure. We were very kicked back about the whole thing. I, I've seen, you know, writing challenges where people are out if you don't get it done on time. I didn't want to foster that kind of environment where it was, you know, very kind of like martial law about the whole thing. Kind of cutthroat. Yeah. So, but then I had planned all, we, you know, we talked about all along, you know, this is your general, we did give a word count minimum, a minimum and a maximum, and you could exceed the maximum by a little bit if you needed to. Uh, but we did say you couldn't go below the minimum because it would have been jarring to have a section that was just that much shorter than everybody else's. But then the anchor got double word count and more time. And the reason for that we discussed in advance was because, well, A, this is the person who's wrapping everything up so they get more words. 
they've got to pull in a lot of detail and um you know they it's just it's because it's more words more time and then um there's more words more time and uh also because they would have to reread the whole they'd have to read the whole relay so we got to give them time to read and so there was just that stuff was all planned in advance how long this stuff was going to take um then the person who was kind of the admin for the challenge, which was me, uh, had a big health crisis that derailed things for about two months. But everything was written. It just sort of sat there. <laughs> we didn't really have like like a deadline to do it anyway. But I think if we had like if, if there was an event, like if we were doing something for Christmas that, you know, that was something you would need to take into consideration if you're if, if you want to do an event for a specific holiday or anything like that, you would. Um, want to look at your calendar and your participants and see what you can accomplish and what's reasonable and what's not. Cause you don't want to be a dick unless you want to be a dick. And then who wants to be a dick or a Bob? Well, yeah, a I'd like to be a Bob. Well, <laughs> well, there could be many Bobs. There can be only one dick. <laughs> dick has a lot of responsibility. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I want to be a dick. But or the dick, but I think Cinna might be the dick. <laughs> I, yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think she has to be the dick. Um, but yeah. So if you've got, but if you've got a holiday plan, if you're like going towards a holiday thing for your thing, or you're doing a whatever, you got to give enough. You got to build enough time in, which means you don't start honestly on this kind of project. You do not start on November first. That's crazy. No. If I'm going to do like a Christmas thing, I would start sometime in July, probably, or June, because July, rough trade. I'd probably start in June. Yeah. Although, weirdly, our, our writing went really fast for 100,000 words and 13 people and 25 relays. It went pretty quick because the whole thing was written. We started at the end of May, right? And it was written by August. So it was over two. We only took us a couple months. So the writing part went really quick. And then it just kind of stalled for a couple months while I had you know life issues um but if we were going honestly if we were that's something that's some, if we were going for a specific date to be done um when i got derailed because of of like health emergencies i would have should have handed i would have handed it off to another admin to kind of take over running things but in our case we weren't we weren't rushing to a deadline and everybody was kind of chill about it so they just already waited for me to get things going again but if there had been that thing like we were aiming for a christmas thing or halloween or something like that which we actually wound up going more towards halloween happy birthday kara we finished the feeding frenzy <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't um, mad i wasn't, wasn't mad, mad. it's great birthday present. um if we'd been going for something like that like we were trying to get it done for a particular date and i got derailed in that way and i was the person the pr main person driving the project, then you would get another admin to take over driving. So someone's got, and that's, that's really key. Someone's got to be in the driver's seat. Uh, Someone who's organized needs yeah. to be in the driver's seat. You can have disorganized members of your riding group in such a situation like this, but whoever you have in the seat needs to be organized and they need to be graceful under pressure. Um, and they need to be diplomatic. Um, and they need to be unafraid to tell somebody when they've messed up. 
Now, some people have anxiety around that kind of thing, and they wouldn't be able to say, hey, you know, this isn't actually working, so you're going to have to redo this. And if you're that person who wouldn't want to correct another author, um, then you don't want to be in charge. No. If you but can't you play the bad guy. But you could be the person who chases down getting stuff back from beta or putting, you know, be the person who updates the series Bible with, with the information from the relays, or you, you could participate administratively or help run a run the challenge without, you know, but if you're going to think about running your own, and you want to do this kind of thing, you need to be sure that you got the personality that, that's suited for it. Now, um, I, if I were to do this again, I would probably be more of a hard ass about certain things than I was this time around. And I'm not saying, I don't mean that in terms of like anybody did anything wrong because we actually had a really great group. Um, but I was trying to be super chill about literally everything because I wanted, it was a, it was a first time experience for a lot of people. Um, and I wanted it to be a really good experience um, for everybody. So but I think that I think everybody would have tolerated me being pushy about timelines. I think they'd have tolerated yeah. that. I think they'd have tolerated that fine, <laughs> rather than trying to figure it out at the end. So, um, me being kicked back about just some of those details that I think would have helped us more at the end. Uh, I think that I was being relaxed about it to try to give everybody a very chill. Um, circumstance and I probably could have pushed more but see that's a learning experience for me too because I've never done relay writing I mean I've like I've done I've done group writing projects before though lord have mercy yeah but again I just have a really terrible experience overall with round robins because people are assholes now we could try doing you know the no asshole round robin but um Part of the problem with a round robin is usually you're working on the same story, okay? And when you're doing a discrete piece, like in the relay, uh, if my characterization is a little bit different than some, just like a little bit, like just a degree or two off of what somebody else did, you know, as long as they're basically consistent, it's fine, right? Because you see people interpret a character slightly different and it's fine. Um, but when you're writing the same, chapter of a story or whatever and someone is just way off of what you were doing characterization wise it's really hard for me to continue it'd be really hard for me to continue i'd be like what are you doing what are you doing i'd be pitching a fit i'm gonna be perfectly honest i would be messaging the bitches did you see what this asshole just did <laughs> did you see did you see <laughs> what about the fuck you do with that <laughs> i can't do anything with that I'm screwed. This is terrible. Everything's terrible. <laughs> Rocks fall. Everybody dies. <laughs> I can't deal. And it could be anything from... I mean, it, it wouldn't even take much, honestly. <laughs> for me to go off the rails when it comes to inconsistent characterization. <laughs> I mean, if... if it, uh, I have to say, everybody was great about about not doing doing things with Tony that would make me want to, you know, no one threw a stapler. No, if if there had been one thrown stapler, or if he'd been sobbing in the bathtub, I'd have been like, <laughs> if there had been one epic overshare, you know, I I don't know, I don't know that I could have sat on it, but there wasn't. Okay, there wasn't. It didn't happen. So that was great because. 
Sobbing you know. In the <laughs> it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Specific. Yeah, well. <laughs> I have my issues. I have my issues. Tony is the designated crier in the NCIS fandom. I know that people, for some weird reason, there's this perception amongst fans, weirdly, that it's been McGee who's been wobified by fandom, but it's not. It's totally Tony. And I could, I would not be able McGee to deal. McGee was wobified by canon. <laughs> yes. I would not be able to deal if somebody had written, I, I, would, I would not have been able to deal if somebody had written wobified Tony. But, you know. But it's also a good time to point to when you're creating your group um, to be very selective about who you um, um who you invite into your um series. Um, look at their craft. Look at their um. Look at their work. Look at the themes that they like to explore. Are these themes um something that you would want in your work? Um, are they a plotter or are they a pantser? Yes, it's important. Yes, you can work with both. We did in the feeding frenzy. Um, but are they that kind of pantser that would have had Tony accused of murder halfway through the series with an unexpected dead body? Uh, I mean, there were bodies, but we expected those. That's right. <laughs> we saw that shit coming. I hope you did too. Um, but, um, did we warn for character death? You know, I just sit here wondering that too. Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and the only person, I mean, I need to warn for it and you need to warn for it. I, and we need it on the series. <laughs> I don't know. And Z would be a major character <laughs> too. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Drama, canned emergence, um, uh, uh, warnings, can typical violence and themes. Hmm. Well, mm. you know, a well, lot of people died in CIS, so I think that's actually accurate, but we probably should warn for character death, probably. So I'm going to look at your is, your, is your the ones where we find out, it's in yours we find out that Ziva's yes. dead, right? Yes, it's mine. And mine's the one where Eli dies, so mine's the minor character death, and yours is the major character death. Oops. I I didn't warn for it either. <laughs> Just, I like, mean, but you know, it, anybody who didn't see that coming, oh yeah, she that. died. She is dead. She is totally dead, Ellie. She did not. She did not die the way she did in NCIS, which is apparently she's actually still around. So, which increased her hefferdom beyond the pale. Well, you know, I did that just for you, Queenie. I had to bust up your shit, baby. <laughs> Shit we'll killer. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix that. Um, add character death warnings. <laughs> I'm not going to do it right now because, yeah, oops. <laughs> what the, whatever. Um, but no, when I talk about like, oh, so I mentioned the oversharing thing is like, we have one person to come in the chat room that, that they tend to write oversharing and they were trying really hard to do it in the feeding frenzy. Um, and I'm familiar with, with their writing, and that, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, when I talk about uh, the epic overshare that we see from Tony in NCIS fandom, it's on the line of, hello, person I just knew, I just met. Um, how 
do you want to have a coffee with me? Let me tell you about how abusive my father was and all the horrible things my teammates have done to me over the years. <laughs> and 2,000 words later, I'm sitting there going, Tony, you just met this man. Don't tell him all these things. He's never, he's going to get a restraining order, not hire you. <laughs> As he sobs in a bathtub. <laughs> As he sobs in the bathtub. And you go find a bathtub and cry in it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I also, you need to look at people's personalities, I would say, because you don't some, you don't mean, I have a very, um, what's the term I'm looking for? I have a, I have a, uh, a, a distinct personality, <laughs> but you wouldn't want four or five people like me in the same writing group. I think that would be a mistake. <laughs> no. You don't want a couple of control freaks who don't agree with each other trying to control the whole narrative. I, and that's the issue is you don't get anything done. When I was... You also don't the, want a bully. And I don't think I'm no. a bully, but you don't want somebody who's going to bully the other participants into doing what they want. Um, which I've seen happen in, um, in Round Robins. Yeah, I did. I went to a class once. Um, it was a professional development class. And what they did is they called it like your, it was like a social style thing. And they're looking at your social style as it pertains to team working dynamics. And what they did is they had you have people that you worked with. I would not. I'm actually very nice. But anyway. Um, yeah, Julie's a nice one. I'm the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> But I went to this thing, and so what they did is they they have you have your coworkers fill out this survey of how you are at work, and what so and basically what they do is they then take this and they run it, you know, run it through their algorithm, and they find out what your social style is at work. And this is very distinctive because sometimes people are very different than they are at work than they are in their real life. So this is this was based upon your people's perception your coworkers perception of you. So this is how you interact with people at work. And then they broke you up into, you come in, they tell you what your style is. You're either an amiable, an expressive, um, a driver or an analytical. Those are the four styles, four social styles for the workplace that they were focusing on. And one of the exercises they had us do um, was they broke you up into teams based on social style. And so they put all of the expressives on a team and all the amiables on a team and all the analyticals on a team and all the drivers on a team. And they had you try to get a presentation done. And it very, they oh, didn't, no. literally nobody got anything done. Literally nobody got anything done. Okay. And here's the, and the thing is everybody fell into, we, you start exacerbating each other's worst, care, worst traits or best traits, depending on how, how you look at it. And what happened is the amiables were so busy being nice, they couldn't get anything done. The analyticals were so busy focusing on the data and the, 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 the structure of the, of the presentation, and they didn't get finished. The drivers were so busy arguing about who was in charge, they didn't get finished. And the expressives were so busy laughing and entertaining one another that they didn't get anything done. And so it was illustrative trying to show you, and it showed very effectively why you need a blend of styles to make a team successful. Um, and this is the same thing in a writing project. I wonder if any of you can guess which of those styles is me. Oh, you're the driver. Not at work, I'm not. Not at that time. So you're an analytical. 
Because I don't think you're amiable. (laughs) Really? What? No. I'm. Not only was I an expressive, I was the hardcore expressive. Expressive, expressive. Because they give you a substyle, substyle too, right? So are you a driver expressive, an analytical expressive? And the closer you are to the middle, to your opposite, is um, is is the people are the most balanced, right? So an amiable driver, because those those are opposite. Those are on on opposite sides of the thing amiable driver or driver amiable would be the most balanced right and analyticals and expressives are opposite and so the closer you are if your substyle is your opposite you're a more balanced person at work i was an expressive expressive wow <laughs> well what am i i would say that you are an analytical driver so driver is your major type analytical is your subtype as a function of your, and I say, and the reason I pick analytical is a subfunction of your OCD. Yeah, which is why I would have slotted you in analytical before I would expressive. Lady Holder, I think you're amiable with an expressive undertone. <laughs> I would say she's analytical, amiable, actually. Amiable, primary, with analytical, with the undertone. You're much easier to get along with than either one of us. <laughs> but there is a there is a metric, okay? There is a metric about how to tell which you are, right? And the, there's there's the on one axis is people who are people or task oriented, and on the other axis is are you tell or ask oriented. So drivers and expressives are both tell oriented. Analyticals and amiables are both ask-oriented. Drivers and anal- drivers and analyticals, the other axis, are both task-oriented, whereas expressives and amiables are people-oriented. So I am tell-oriented, but people, whereas I think Kira is tell-oriented, but task-oriented. I do like to be in charge. I've, I've, I'm, I'm more comfortable in charge. Or making the decision, which you know also factored into me wanting to be the anchor. Um, it's just I'm more comfortable that way. And the more comfortable I am, the less likely I am to be an asshole about it. <laughs> yeah. So I, but, and the thing is, if somebody had told me those were the metric, I would have been able to tell them that, oh, well, I'm definitely an expressive based upon that, on the task ask versus people task because I'm definitely more people oriented than I am task oriented and I'm way more ask oriented than I am ask or way more um tell oriented than I am ask oriented so I if you so if you said are you people people or task I've been people and if they'd asked me are you are you um tell or ask and I just have been tell well that makes me an expressive so um ass oriented ask ask I am ass oriented very ass oriented Ellie very yeah yeah i'm all about the booty yeah um i i could have been a pirate um (laughs) (laughs) so it and the thing is there's no there's the and the point of the whole thing was that that there's no right or wrong way to be because you need all of it to make a a team work you need people who, and the thing is, for a writing project, you don't just need writers to make it work. You need someone who can be in the driver's seat. You need somebody who can um, 
who can focus on the details too. You need somebody, and th this is just on the administrative side of it, right? You need somebody who can drive to get the project completed. You need, you know, so these are all factors in, in figuring out, you know, how you're going to get something done. And I would never recommend that you try to do this on your own, that you try to fill all of that by yourself running the project. You could try. Some people are very, um, you're very control driven it may be more comfortable for you to be in charge of everything but it can be a really big burden so it helps to have like one person who's kind of in the driver's seat and says okay hello you know moderation team you're going to drive people you're going to you're going to drive the schedule and you're going to keep the series bible updated and you're going to do this and everybody gets a task they're suited for and it keeps the whole thing going a lot more smoothly um, but again, you don't want to push over being the Bible keeper. I think that's actually what happens a lot of times in TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> if they have a Bible, the person who's maintaining it is a pushover. And then, and they never push back and say, Hey, this actually doesn't work with the canon of the character. Um, in season two, Tony told the, his, his whole team that his dad abandoned him in Hawaii. I'm not sure that happened in season two, but what I'm saying is, is that no one pointed that out. And so they retcon senior into this, you know, harmless con man. We're not harmless, but you know what I mean? It's like, he wasn't suddenly, he wasn't as terrible as we were, as we were led to believe. Right. Well, because they talked about, um, in one episode early on, Tony talks about, um, he used his dad's ski suit to make a Halloween costume or something. And somebody asked him, and one of his teammates followed up with, um, and how do you react to that? Tony makes it just, a, he, he he says it kind of lightly, but about he didn't sit down till Christmas or something like that. But the expression on his face, like nobody, no, nobody who watched the show took that as lightly as his tone of voice made it seem like it was. Um, so it really implied that, didn't, that he, there was at least there was some level of physical abuse. Um, and then they just kind of retconned it. Yeah. Because they they got an actor that they didn't want to have to deal with that backstory, but whatever. But they also the thing is it, it wasn't also it wasn't just a case of like of that, but they also like have his age. He he's Tony's age is given at least three times that are different. Um. So and people like to get really like I saw somebody beating somebody up um, in the in the comment section on a story. It, it just saying that it, that it really threw them out of the story that they had had Tony be, I want to say they'd said that Tony was 32 or something like that, or 31 or what, whatever age they picked, it was pretty consistent within a year or so of where I usually put Tony at that place in Canon. And the person was like, Oh, you know, it really threw me out of the story that you did this. And I want to know why you changed it by one year because in Canon, Tony guesses, you know, Tony guesses, uh, Kate guesses Tony's age and she guessed it at this, which would make him this age in your story. And I don't know why you had to change it by a year and da da da. da. And I'm just curious what your thought was. It was just like, the thing is, that's one time that they addressed his age. There are other and times they addressed his age. Did he confirm her guess? Actually, he didn't. No. Um, as far as I recall, he didn't actually verbally confirm it. But I guess they were saying that he she he confirmed it by the expression on his face or something like that. Whatever. Um, but the guess, Kate's guess, was pretty close to him, I think, being born around 72 or 73. Somewhere between 71 and 73. Which is approximately, but then the show put his age at 68, him being born in 68. Um, 
so the, the show's given multiple ages for him, multiple, so, but people will fixate on one. And, and so it's just, just the fact they couldn't keep up with how old their character is, is ridiculous. Or where he went to school, you know, I mean, they just couldn't keep up with anything. Which tells you that they're just, that like no one's trying. They're not even trying to consult. And if they have a series Bible, no one's read it in a decade. Yeah. Which is terrible. It's terrible, no good behavior. They need to all get thrown in the volcano. Or sent out to the Nundu Preserve. <laughs> Maybe I'm reading too much Hannibal fandom, but putting people out to be eaten is having more appeal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you're wanting to participate in this kind of writing challenge um you can like put it out there with people you know i'd love to do this kind of thing if anybody's interested but it's good to know if you think you're not suited to the administrative moderation facilitation side of the whole thing whatever word you want to use it's good to it's good to know that about yourself, right? It's like, oh, I don't think I'd be good at that side of it, um, or maybe you just don't want that hassle. But conversely, um, if you don't want to be involved in that and you don't have any input into that side of it, don't get involved in a writing challenge where you don't like the guidelines. Well, that's a little bit limiting for me, but I'm going to go ahead and agree to do it anyway and then just basically throw what I want out there. That is actually one of the most annoying things I see in any kind of challenge is when people ignore the challenge parameters and do what they want. And it feels like they go into it doing, planning to do what they want from the get-go. And it's so disrespectful. It's like, why? Well, why? Because they're assholes. But, you know... I mean, if I'm in a challenge with you and you aren't even trying to meet the burden of the challenge, my automatic assumption is that you're an asshole. Yeah. I don't get the thing is, uh, there are a lot of walks. There's a lot of things in my life where I give people the benefit of the doubt. With that kind of thing, I tend not to. And the reason is because these are all writers. I know they can read. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if I put the parameters in front of you in print, um, I know that you're just ignoring it, so. And that makes you an asshole. Ooh. Yes, and that is how we got to asshole. Um, that's it. That is it. What? Just. Queenie. <laughs> I I don't even know what to say to you. <laughs> I am going to, I just deafened myself. I can't even really explain why I did that. Really? Really? Do you have any, do you guys have any questions about group writing that you would like us to address? <laughs> that do not involve America's ass? <laughs> Well, limitations are good for you, Queenie. And us. They're good for us, too. Mostly us, at this point, actually. <laughs> Knife and fork. Knife and fork.
Okay, so if you're, um, I think one of the hardest things would be in group writing would be to, um, so, okay, so something we didn't address is about beta. Now, we did, I decided that we were going to do some level of beta um, for this series and tell everybody up that, about that up front, but that we would only be doing grammar, spelling, punctuation betas. We would not be doing content betas. The only level of content analysis would be based upon adherence to the series Bible. So that's a different thing, right? Like, so checking to if something hits it, here, so the series Bible is done way ahead of any kind of beta work. So that was really important. Um, we got really lucky that we had somebody because there's no way I'd have been able to beta the whole thing on my own. So we got really lucky that um, PN uh, was willing to donate uh, time to betaing majority of the series. And so that was really helpful to have somebody whose function in the was was to was to do the betas. So that was that was really really useful. And and then also you know. She and I talked ahead of coming in that, that that's all we were doing. That's all that I had, you know, got everybody to commit to was, you know, basic grammar and punctuation beta. And then we did have some style guide elements, like, you know, the kind of scene break you had to use, that kind of thing, so that we would all look the same visually. Um, so this is some just like little things you kind of decide about is, are you going to try the same look and feel? We didn't try to in any way enforce like a, a specific dictionary because to me like that would have been weird is it may be a little bit strange for a reader maybe to encounter like uk spelling versus in, you know american english spelling but u.s spelling but i feel like that having an author change their dictionary is a little bit to me it seemed a little bit strange so i didn't like even try to address that it's like whatever dictionary you use is what you use but uh, so we'll let people know there's going to be a beta, but it's just going to be grammar and punctuation beta. We're not going to like tear your work apart. And some people in the had never done been through beta before. So I'm sure that was an anxiety point for them um, to come into a challenge that was that it was going to have a beta required. Now, you may decide you want to run a group writing project where there's no beta required, um, but that you may want a style guide adhered to like, you know, this is this is this is how we're going to handle scene breaks, and this is how we're going to handle um, formatting, and this is the kind of header you have to fill out, and you know, so just you need to kind of be able to give people that kind of information up front, so that you aren't bringing surprises to the table, because some people may choose not to participate in something where they have to have a beta, um, or where there's potentially going to be a content beta. If I came into um, a group project and was told there was going to be no beta, I would not participate. Because I would not want to be associated with that hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. I told you I was the asshole. I mean, it's just like, really? No. I see some of this shit that goes down on AO3. <laughs> Fanfiction.net, I'm looking at you. Right. So, I mean, you just kind of, if you're putting together a challenge like this, or you're going to do something like this, you had to make those kinds of decisions up front. Um, and it could be that you say, okay, I'd prefer that I'd prefer you have a beta, but we're not going to be mandatory. But we do have to run everything through spelling and grammarly checker, and you have to have a um, you have to adhere to our formatting, whatever the formatting is we're going to give. So, or you may just let want everybody to be able to do their own thing. That's that's up to you and how you're going to run your challenge. But you need to know up front because some people it can be a deciding factor for people whether or not they want to participate based on that. 
One thing I would also say is that when I encounter a writer who um, refuses to be a part of an editing or beta process. Now, sometimes I don't want to do beta, but I do it if people, you know, if I, if it was required, I would do it. You know, I'm not opposed to it. I just think it's a waste of time sometimes. <laughs> and Darkly Law would still not be published if I had gone through beta. <laughs> we would probably be like, I don't know. <laughs> we Next might, year. We might be at the point where I'm doing changes now. The thing is, yeah, you did offer, Lady Holder. I just had no desire whatsoever to fucking do it. None. Nada. Because we would still be doing it right now. Because of the length. And I just didn't want to. Yeah. And let, now Lady Holder beta is much faster than I do. Way faster than I do. Um, but if I'm going to do a beta, I would want at least two. <laughs> if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. <laughs> why we'd still be doing it. Which is why we would still be doing it. And it would not be on the site. But when I encounter a writer who says, no, I will not be edited. Or no, I will not go through beta. I think to myself, do you think you're too good for it? Do you think, did you think you wrote that in gold? Did you hammer it on a rock? Is it permanent? Do you think you don't need editing? Do you think you're perfect? I would not want that asshole. Right? <laughs> in, in my group. <laughs> because hey, it's one thing if you say, okay, I'm really afraid of beta. Okay, we will be very, very gentle with you. But you're still going to get beta. <laughs> we will hold your hand. Which is the other reason why we went with, you know, you're, we're only going to give grammar, grammar punctuation betas and all of that kind of. What did I do? I don't even know. I, I didn't witness it, so I don't know either. I, I, I messed up my computer somehow. I'm just not sure how. That's never a good thing. No, not really. Um... But we did, you know, we tried to be very careful with people and be like, you're going to, this is, this is the limit. Because I didn't want people to, who had beta anxiety, to be like, somebody's going to come in and rip my work apart. Um, so that's why we limited the scope of beta. So we're going to, this is all it's going to get. And, and also a continuity error. So if you throw a continuity error in there, you're going to get somebody that say something about it. But why well, don't want people to think that they're going to sign up for content beta because content beta can be a lot harder to deal with if you are unfamiliar with it, uh, with that, with that side of the whole thing. Um, it's having somebody kind of edit you for what you've written and say, okay, this is, this is good, bad or whatever. So we let people know that's not going to be occurring. You're not going to have to deal with that, but you, you are going to get somebody poking at your grammar and your punctuation. That's just the way it is. So, and if people weren't on board with that, they wouldn't have been able to participate. But yeah, I wouldn't want to work right in a challenge with somebody who felt they were too precious to be edited because this is <laughs> too precious. <laughs> because honestly, this is somebody who is not going to deal well with um they're not gonna they're not gonna adhere to the series bible. That's just that's that's that personality, right? Because it's like, well, I want to make these changes. Well, and I'm like, well, I don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, because someone who's too precious for editing or beta is also too precious to to follow your rules. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I want to make this change. It was like, well, but 
I don't care if you want to make this change. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the series Bible. Well, the series Bible should change. Well, yeah, but we're we're eighteen we're eighteen chapters in. You can't just change it now. Too late. Now we did get lucky. A lot of the people in in the relay had been baited by PN before, so they were already familiar with working with her. So that actually worked out very well, I think. Yeah, PN um, did my edit for Stand by You. Mm hmm. Um, so I was familiar with her style. Um, she worked through the series really quickly, so we appreciate that. But um, I think have she didn't write a relay, did she? No. I think that's actually beneficial to have a beta or more than one who isn't actually participating in the writing. Because I think they're more impartial. Yeah. I almost said something that my grandpa used to say. But I refrained. But now I kind of want to say it because it really amused me. Because whenever he would see something that he didn't um, have a particular opinion about, he would say, well, I don't have a cock in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrible. Cockfighting is terrible. Actual cockfighting is terrible. It's just as terrible as dogfighting. Neither one are um, at all appropriate or, or humane or anything like that. But he, he was an old man of his time, and he would, that's what he would say. Well, he also said that you really couldn't have more than one cock in the yard. Because they would fight over territory and hens. So, But yeah. I don't have a cock in that fight. It just it popped into my brain, and and you do do want a beta in your in, in your group who doesn't have a bias or um, a cock in the fight. Yeah. <laughs> now I um for me I I did a, I did I did I'm gonna say some like like six or seven of the betas I did. Um, mm -hmm. But it, I don't, I think especially by the time I got around to doing the betas, I was just like, I just want to get it over with. So <laughs> that was but like. But you oh. also have the experience of being a professional editor. Um, and that does allow you to get above your personal opinions for work to focus on what you need to do for the job. Um, and that makes a difference. That's true. Um. And PN did all my betas, and those were the first time I had been baited. So, I mean, I got, um, I was working with somebody unfamiliar too, uh, which wound up being great, wound up being fine. So, and I usually don't, so I could speak from the experience of that myself, is that normally I am reluctant to work with new betas, but in this situation, she'd been recommended by several people who were in the relay. I'm like, relay, I'm like okay, she's also part of our social group, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go with this. And it wound up being great. So, cause I wrote several relays and all of mine were baited by the same person. So, um, but also having um, one or two betas on a challenge like this will help you with continuity um, and with maintaining your series Bible, because if they see something that you miss in a story, um, it just, it just gives you a second look, it gives you an opportunity to say, Hey, um, we've got, we've got a consistency problem. Like, wasn't there a problem with the, with the broken arm 
Like yes, yes, there was. He's saying the cat. He's um he's saying his fake cast too long. <laughs> Way too long. <laughs> well, I needed it after going to the SGC, but he had the fake still being injured. Right. And the, that part of that was the problem of the um timeline. The timeline is that I, I more time had passed than I thought there had. So when I finally went at the timeline, I had had several notes and, and things like I had a note about him wearing a, a brace, right? Well, at the point where he's wearing the brace, I want to say we were like eight or nine weeks in. I'm like, <sighs> he doesn't need to fake it. So. <laughs> it would have healed naturally by now. <laughs> So that was, you know, so, and we did, we also, that's really, I think if you're going to have a beta, like in the process, get, get your beta involved early on. We, we didn't get PN on board because my intention, honestly, originally was to beta, um, <laughs> and the intent, my intention was to beta the whole series myself. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. And so we, we were we were only a few parts in when I realized that wasn't going to work. And I don't remember even who initially suggested PN as bringing in a, as a beta. Um, as we got, we did wind up getting her looped in very early on. And I think that that really that helps have your beta involved all the all the way along. That they have access to all the everything that the authors have access to. Um, that they have access to the series Bible and that they are participating from the beginning as a part of the challenge because their perspective is just different. You know, they're keeping that outsider's objective, not, not outsider, but that objective point of view that, that the authors might not have. So don't wait until the end to figure out if you're going to have a beta, try not to, if you can, don't wait till the end to get your beta looped in. Let them be part of the process and, and keep them involved for the whole thing. Also, I think it might be beneficial to keep your series Bible um, maybe on online in a private page that you can update and just have a link um, instead of having a document that gets passed around a whole bunch of times to make sure that everybody has the same version of the document it can be really difficult if you have a large group. But if you're doing like if you have a private page um, that or a private forum that you can go to. Um, that all your participants are in and the series Bible is right there um, and any changes is going to be right there. And so you're not having to worry about everybody having different versions of the document. Yeah. Now, Which we could did... be disastrous if you have to make a big change and the person who's coming up writing has not seen the new series Bible is going off the series Bible that they got three versions ago and <laughs> And it's like really fucked up. You know, we didn't have that problem, but I think that it could have been a problem if we had been do updating our series Bible the way we wish we had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were, everything was on Google drive, but the issue became that um, we did, we'd have a share folder that everybody was working with. But the issue then is that. Um, hmm. The issue then becomes if somebody's downloaded it, they then have a version that's out of date compared to what everything else is. My hmm there was that Grammarly says that the main feeding frenzy page, the tone is disapproving. <laughs> I don't trust Grammarly's tone beta thing. I don't. It's 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 not accurate. <laughs> it's tone detectors way off. I mean, disapproving, really, Grammarly? Really? That's the what on what on the main series page is disapproving. Maybe it's the the warning you put for um character death. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Which could be considered quite disapproving, actually. I disapprove. 
you to death. <laughs> yeah, I disapprove. Eat the rude. <laughs> but you know, when I thought about when I thought about doing this whole project, it was part of it was because I wanted to do a group writing project that didn't turn out like shit. <laughs> So thank you to the <laughs> to the other twelve people for you know fulfilling my wish, um, that that it wouldn't that it wouldn't be the hot mess I've participated in in the past, and that there would be a way to um, to work together and to to have a successful group writing project, and that's what I really wanted, and it and it was a lot of fun, and we had a great group of people, and. I think I think I think actually it's because we had a really good group that the areas that, that when I say we got lucky in a lot of areas, it's because of the group we had. If we'd had sometimes a, a different potentially a different set of participants, those things that weren't well fleshed out in the beginning would have bitten us in the ass, like really badly. So, you know. And because I saw that potential going as as we were going, I'm like, this could go badly that we didn't clarify this up front. It did that it did it didn't go badly. It speaks to, you know, everybody who participated and how well they they worked with the whole thing. Because with a different group, it could have gone, it could have gone so bad. No, not so bad. I mean, we we really, but we could have. There was just enough vagueness around a couple of things that it could have been a hot mess. But it wasn't because we didn't have anybody who was an asshole. So thank you, people, for not being assholes. I appreciate it. I was thinking about concepts that we could take into delight. I think the like finding an alpha site for SGA would be one. Um, um, taking the circumstances, and I would not actually want to participate in this because I don't actually really approve of Groundhog Day things. Although I do enjoy the movie, um, but the circumstances of the time loop and SG one would be a good one. Um, not the actual canon circumstances, but to do a time loop like that, where they're trying to work their way free of it. But I wouldn't want to use the actual event in SG1 because it's really a downer. But <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. Um, and so I wouldn't want to uh, do that one in particular, but it would be interesting. Um, another one, I'm like. The Stargate has a lot of potential because, like, what if you have a team of your choice stuck off world and they have like 10 addresses they can dial and just those 10 addresses for one reason or another? And each author gets to write one of the addresses. Or, um, let's see, like, um, you could do reincarnation, you could take characters from different, um, fandoms. Uh, oh, across ooh, history. Yes. yes. Do you want to discuss that offline so we could yes. talk about it a little more? In okay, okay. <laughs> you guys stick around in the chat room and we'll do that after the podcast. Um, but uh, that would be a lot of fun. You know, just in... Um, but now I'm totally derailed because I want to talk about that. So, um, but actually, I think this is probably a good spot to end the podcast. Um, I think we've covered a lot of the um, the issues. Um, not that we had any issues in the feeding frenzy, but things that we would do differently, or things that we will do differently going into new challenges or new situations, um, and things that you should take keep in mind if you're going to do a group uh, writing experience. Um, so keep in mind your personalities, your series bible. Um, 
the actual physical work that goes into it. Uh, you also want something we did not mention, but I totally we 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 touched on it earlier on about word count. You definitely want to give your participants a maximum word count, and perhaps even a minimum one too. <laughs> uh, the uh, the min minimum wasn't wound up, did wind up being important because the reason why is because if. Most people in in our relay were hitting close to the four to five. The five thousand was our max, and I gave people they could go a little bit over, right? And to me, a little bit over is about a ten percent buffer. Um, is if most people are going in that maximum range, somebody who gives you a thousand word part, it's going to be jarringly off, which is why the minimum became important too. And our minimum was two thousand, so two to five thousand is should be a reasonable for for us for this challenge was a reasonable range because they should read a little bit like chapters, and even though they're kind of standalone, they should read like you know successive chapters on his journey, and a or thousand you can look words at it like TV episodes. Yeah, or like an episode in the show, but they a thousand words would be jarringly off. It'd be like getting a ten minute episode instead of an hour long episode. So, it, that's why we did the two to five thousand, and then Kira got you know she got the two part season finale. If you want to look at it that way, um, one thing I did we didn't talk about, and I'm gonna go and throw this out there. Um, I would if you want to do something like this, I would actually recommend that you you think about who you're. Hmm. Recruit first. Recruit first before you like open up to part participants because you might fill up your roster by going and asking people, do you want to do this? And we did start with recruitment with like going, you know, there's before I even got a chance to like, before it was like even a fully formed thing, we had like six people. And it wasn't like we were trying to like single anybody out or leave anybody out, but it was like, oh, this person would be great. At I knew some fandoms that would be great right off the bat, right? Like I knew that there were some fandoms we wanted in the relay. It just occurred to me like we want that. And yes, you did, Lady Holder. You did get voluntold. Because um, like when I was talking to Kira, she says, Oh, uh, Lady Holder be able to write SG one. So I mean, she's immediately. We, we, we actually wrote it down, Lady Holder SG one. Um, and then I said, Oh, I would love to have Ellie. I specifically said Ellie write a magnificent seven ATFAU relay. You know, like that's the way it went. And um, and so there's some people who just occurred to me, like, wouldn't that be great? And I actually thought of um, Dark Jedi Queen for Criminal Minds, because she's the first person who popped in my mind for Criminal Minds. But when I talked to her, she said, no, 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 you should talk to Nimue about doing Criminal Minds. I'd like to do um, the uh, the other Criminal Minds show, the 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 spinoff that they did with... Um, crossing Borders. Yeah, Crossing Borders. So there were a few no, people... because crossing yeah. Borders is the... Crossing Lines is the British crossing. thing. Okay, Crossing Borders. <laughs> uh, beyond Borders. Too beyond many borders. crossings. Beyond Borders. Not such beyond borders. borders. Beyond Borders. It was the, the international one. Anyway. It was the Gary Sinise one. Yeah. So there were some people that occurred to me immediately, because there's some people I feel like associate with certain fandoms. And so I went to go talk to them and say, hey, are you interested in doing this? Because it's because I, I knew them, I'm familiar with their work. I know what kind of fandom they're interested in. And that fandom had occurred to me as being compatible with this relay. And then once we had like that group, people were accepting or denying because a couple people said that they weren't available. Um, and then so we, you know, and then I thought, well, where could we recruit for this? And it was around that time that um, Angelic Insanity was it, a little bit before that had started this group called uh, Unicorn 
named Tony Donoso, I thought, well, let's let's recruit people from there. Let's see, because these are like-minded people. We'll see if anybody wants to participate from over there. And that's how we wound up filling out the group was sort of like there are a few people who occurred to us initially. So we didn't do like an open like sign up anywhere, but we did leave have a very open other than in that one group on MeWe, we did have a very uh, it was it all happened. We got the the group very quickly, and then once we had the writers, it was like people expressed, "Oh well, in addition to this initial fandom, I wouldn't mind also writing this fandom. You know, I'd like to write this one too." And then, um, well, I hadn't planned on writing any additional relays, but um, I wrote three. So, uh, <laughs> and part of it was because there are a couple things I really wanted to see in the series and nobody had expressed interest in them so I thought well I'll just write them <laughs> so that's what I did and then the the one that was an unexpected ad was the FBI relay that I added towards the end was just like I just started watching that show and I was like I really want to put this one in too and nobody cared I asked if anybody cared nobody cared so that's how I wound up writing three relays that dude's hot like burning. I watched some episode I and mean, I watched some scenes on YouTube. I'm like, what? <laughs> right? Oh. I see it, Tony, to like just observe that he's hot like burning. That was just so think about how you want to get the people who are going to participate in your relay. Um, and I would recommend that, that you like it be targeted at at first. And some you know, honestly, there's sometimes there are a couple of cases of like there are a couple people I just didn't think of initially, or they write in a fandom that is in no way compatible. Like if somebody was only a Hobbit writer, I don't know that I would approach them because how am I going to get the Hobbit in with Tony Dinozo, right? It just doesn't gel. But that, you know, if people write multiple fandoms kind of thing. So it's just kind of a think about who, how you want to get your participants. Okay. Um, if you want to do kind of a blanket open, um, call for participation in the challenge. That's great. I don't know that I would do that personally. We we stuck to community in communities where either we're admins of or somebody we know is an admin of, and so it's with a group of people we already know and have some familiarity with who they are and what their what their level of um how you know what how they perform in challenges and what kind of, I don't know how I would have felt about this challenge with a complete unknown involved in it. I just don't know. It's not I like the comfortable. I would, I don't know that I I'm just saying this is just, it's just different. It's on a bang where half the participants are people I don't know. Right. It's this is not the same thing. Cause that's everybody's working on their own thing. When you're doing a group writing project, you've got to have some familiarity or not familiarity, but you have some comfort level, which, is brought about by familiarity with the people in the challenge. And so, you know, I probably yeah, so I can roll into the group and say, what's up bitches. And no one would get offended because they know would know they all knew I would not have meant that as offensive. But if there's somebody in the group who doesn't know me, they could take real offense to being called a bitch on or, a Monday morning. <laughs> you know, she's been calling me a heifer on the regular lately. So <laughs> I mean, can you imagine somebody who didn't know us and Kira had rolled in? She said, you heifer. And I'd have been like, moo, moo, baby, moo. Um, so just think about who, who And that you plays want. into group dynamics. Yeah, it does. So think about who you want in your challenge, um, who, what kind of person you want participating in. Oh, no, no. 
that's nauseating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what kind of person you want participating in the challenge with you? Um, and, you know, and honestly, the, the recruit, when we were recruiting for uh, Feeding Frenzy, if anybody got left out of that, that had wanted to participate, it was honestly not intentional that, to leave anybody out who would have been interested in it. Uh, but we just didn't know about you. <laughs> we didn't either. We didn't know, or maybe it just didn't cross my mind. Or I just didn't think, or you just, maybe you just weren't online the week when we did have the open in that MeWe group. If you want to participate, come, come do this with us. Um, but that was open for, like I said, the, the open thing on, on MeWe was, I want to say like a weekend or three or four days how long we allowed that to kind of sit open. So it wasn't very long. And once we got a full group, that was it. Cause once people found out we were working on it, I did get approached by some people who wanted to participate, but once we were already in it and we were locked into the fandoms, I wasn't going to add additional people. It's also perfectly okay. If you want to set up a, a group writing project and you have certain writers you want to invite and you only want to invite those writers, you don't owe anybody an apology for that. No, this is not a bang, right? It's not a, it's not, it's not a bang. See, if there a, are some people that you don't think you could work with because of personality conflicts, you obviously don't want them in your group because they're just going to ruin your dynamics. If they're often hostile or if they have a, um, a sense of humor that's abrasive and rude, um, you have to decide whether or not you want them in your you know, in your dynamic. And I personally would not because you don't want somebody in your groups who your, your writing group, who's going to make other people uncomfortable and feel like they can't talk because they'll get talked shit about, or they'll get bullied, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you don't want somebody who has a history. Like there are people I've dealt with in other challenges who have a history of trying to micromanage. No. And it, especially micromanagement coming from somebody who's not in charge is really irritating. Like, bitch, you done made you queen. Like, you do realize this is my challenge, right? Shut <laughs> this up. This is my go, shit. <laughs> go sit down. <laughs> I'll tell you guys a little thing, and then we'll let you go. Um, we have two cars. Um, we're we're two car household. Um, and um, my husband occasionally drives my Kia to to work. Um, and sometimes, like now, granted, y'all, he pays the bill on this car. <laughs> Just to, that's important to note. Anyways, so every once in a while, I'll get <laughs> I'll get to the front door as he's leaving, um, and yell out in the driveway. You can take my car if you want. When he's getting in it, right? And then he's torn between like arguing that I have the right to give permission and then not using my vehicle at all. Because <laughs> that's the kind of asshole I am. <laughs> The first time I did it, he turned and looked at me like, bitch, what? <laughs> it's the little things that get me through my day. The little things she says. <laughs> trolling her husband. Hey, that is my that is my right. <laughs> Love, honor, and troll. Anyways, um, I hope this podcast was helpful and that you have gotten something out of it. And as you approach group writing in the future, that you keep some of the, some of our experiences in mind and that they will be um, um, helpful. Again, helpful, helpful. Uh, say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>